0: Hi, welcome to the next episode of Humans of SDU. This time it will be Anna and Martin talking to Andreas, Anna's classmate from the Business Language and Culture program, but more importantly, an experienced traveler with stories from Saudi Arabia, Singapore or Morocco. Spoiler alert, missiles and snakes are coming. <laughs> so, hi Andreas, welcome to our podcast.
1: Hello there, thank you for having me. And Thank you for joining us.
0: Um, before we had the chance to talk. I was going through your Facebook a little bit. Ooh. And it showed many interesting moments. It showed your writing camel in Morocco, your family pictures from American Thanksgiving,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: some moments from your Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So where should we start? Sounds like a last nice experience. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, ooh. Uh, ladies' choice.
0: Ladies' choice. Uh, then let's start with Saudi.
1: All like right,
0: Sounds like a very exotic destination to me.
1: <laughs> well, um, yeah, I went to Saudi as part of my uh, internship. It was actually my first semester for my master's program. And I was there working for the Danish embassy.
0: How did you get such a job?
1: Uh, I was actually part of uh, a friend posted it on Facebook and uh, no, no one had really applied for it because no one wanted to go to <laughs> Saudi Arabia. So uh, I applied Though a week later I was like, I got a response from them. They're like, hey. You're one of the only people who, who applied. Do you want to come down? <laughs> like, yeah, sure. Sounds great. <laughs> so uh, I got the job quite quickly after that. And uh, yeah, get, came down in January. And I remember the like the second I landed, I got picked up by the embassy's driver. And uh, as soon as we left the airport, uh, I could see out of the distance a bunch of these trucks. And I looked a little bit closely and I asked the driver, like, are those artillery trucks? And, it's, uh, and he's like, ah, oh, yes, you've seen the missile defense system. And so basically, the whole city had this ring around it with pockets of uh, what they're called Pac-2 missile trucks that shoot down incoming rockets from uh, just anywhere, I guess.
0: <laughs> Did it make you feel safe?
1: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't have that here in Copenhagen. And now I'm worried about missiles here.
0: And besides that, how is, how is life in Saudi? How was it for you?
1: Uh well I quite enjoyed it. Uh I lived in this very nice area called the diplomatic compound. It's where all the embassies are and where all the diplomats live. And it's uh one of the nicer areas in uh, the capital. And basically what a lot of westerners do is they live in these compounds that are walled in and they have a lot more freedom and liberty than they do out in the real world, so to speak, because there are a lot of social restrictions in Saudi. For example, uh I'm not allowed uh yeah I'm not allowed to wear shorts. Showing arms is a bit iffy sometimes. Um, the women have to wear a, something called an abaya, which is basically this long cloak. Uh, and whereas in the compounds, you have more or less your own rules. Plus, it's a bit more uh, you know, uh, loose in regards to uh, certain laws, such as drinking and partying. So people may or may not have alcohol in such uh, in said com- in some compounds. Um, uh, but otherwise... I mean, the people were really, really nice. Uh, the weather was great. <laughs> it rained like three times only. And, oh, I
0: okay. can't for Danish.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it down there. Uh, I made some wonderful friends, both uh, local Saudis and with uh, some of the other diplomats from the other embassies. Uh, it was a pretty wild ride sometimes. We had uh, a few missile attacks for, uh, coming in from Yemen. But... It was basically just loud fireworks. You could see them flying overhead and then you'd hear the rockets being shot up towards them and then would be like small bangs here and there. Um, and then, uh, well, one of them actually was kind of close because the shrapnel fell out right in front of our uh, neighbor's comp, uh, house. Uh, so people started going outside taking photos until the military rolled up and, sh- you know, shoot people away. Oof. <laughs> but that was pretty fun.
0: Yeah, that
1: sounds fun. And was there something like you had hard times getting used to? Um, yeah, so basically everyone kind of gets a little bit of cabin fever because you have such uh, hard uh, restrictions against you. So I'd say every two months you kind of have to leave the country before you get a little bit stir-crazy. And, it, it you know, sometimes you just want to be able to wear shorts without having to worry about, like, oh, shoot, I'm leaving my little Walden castle here. <laughs> and, you know, when you have to go out grocery shopping and and. It, like also they they drive like absolute madmen down there. It's like this. It sounds like bad to say, but they cannot drive for shit down there, and it's actually the leading cause of death for young men in Saudi Arabia, which is just absolutely crazy.
0: <laughs> have you driven there yourself? No, you
1: no, no, no. I mean, I'd say uh, their driving style is the reason we have armored cars down there.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> But you haven't felt, like, really too oppressed or something like that?
1: So the Saudis that we knew were very open-minded and very, like, uh, took a very laissez-faire approach to all of these restrictions. Uh, I mean, for the most part, the majority of the people, they just kind of go with the flow because it's a it's a monarchy and you can't really go against the will of the king. And anyone does get sent to prison. So <laughs> uh, basically... A lot of people they just did what they wanted inside their houses. Maybe we had these wall houses where they just you know they could drink and they party and there, and you know you kind of hope for the best. Uh, and th- I mean the Saudi people were some of the most gracious and kind of and, you know warming, welcoming people that I know. Uh, but they just you know having to be stuck under a pretty rough regime.
0: And have you worked with any women as well?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean my roommate was a woman my age, uh, and a lot of the interns that I also worked with women. So, I mean, they, and they were definitely subject to a bit more of a challenge than we were. We meet the occasional uh, religious police. who would be like, cover your hair, cover your hair to them. But we were luckily there at a time where the religious police had basically been declawed. They weren't allowed to have any authority anymore. So they were just there, you know, yelling at women or or people, but without the ability to actually do anything about it. Uh, But, you know, six months before we came, people, like uh, uh, the guy, I was, uh, people we were taking over from, they were being told, like, don't say you're Danish, uh, don't wear shorts at all. Um, there are a lot more security measures, but things have definitely kind of eased up since uh, I, I went down there.
0: Mm, okay, well, that's nice to hear.
2: But we also heard, like, uh, we didn't talk about it in the previous episode uh, in our podcast, but what we heard that, that also it's common that the, they are like uh, public punishments for anything. And you are actually can, uh, see these people in a park. Being on-
1: yeah. So, um, <laughs> well, the Saudis realized that's really bad PR because nowadays everyone has a cell phone so see like all these public executions will get, um, you know, they'll end up on the internet somehow. So they started doing closed public executions. So you need an invite, an invite basically, or they just do it behind closed doors, uh, but they definitely continued. Like I think they increased executions by like 70% while I was there. Uh, my colleague had to do a, a paper about it, which <laughs> really sucked for her because you just got more and more depressed the more she read about it. But what the we actually went to um, the square they did. It's called MassMax Square, but the diplomats have so eloquently called it Chop Chop Square because it's where the people get their heads cut off. Um, <laughs> And uh, basically, it's just this big, big square with uh, the religious police's headquarters on the front, and then uh, in this big square platform, it's all marble. They have have a drain in the middle, and all the like the floor kind of slide goes downwards toward this drain, and that's so. And all the blood kind of goes down into the drain. Yeah, and for like the really bad punishments, what they would do it'd be like you know people who raped somebody or were drug dealers. They would get their heads chopped off, then they would get re-sewn on the body, and then they would be uh, crucified, and then hung out in a public park somewhere. And have you witnessed anything like that? No, uh, that's not something you really want to see. But I mean, you were, you were. Yeah, I mean, not not on purpose, but when you are, like, for example, in a park or something. No, so we didn't really go to any of the public parks because it was it was fifty degrees. <laughs> Basically, it's unbearable to be there, uh, be outside for more than five minutes because the the temperatures were so extreme, and going out to a public park means you have to get a car you have to drive 20 minutes outside the compound because the compound's a bit secluded away from the rest of the city and uh yeah that would have been too much of a hassle but also just I think for the sake of not wanting to see a body or like a body like that uh kind of deterred me and most of my other <laughs> colleagues from just going out into the public parks uh so yeah you you still have I mean you have it's still ongoing now too they aren't completely doing away with that and their justice system is a bit different to what we know for example if you were to get arrested you can get you, you can get like thrown into jail for around six months before your family gets to hear from you so if all of a sudden cousin you know uh, adam disappears you can kind of wait for a while before you get a notification from the police and you won't know what happened um so <laughs> yeah it's, it's a bit rough
0: yeah but Okay, and do they treat foreigners the same way or do you have like a foreigner privilege?
1: So there is definitely a, a difference in the way they treat people. You have, of course, the Saudis at the top. It's kind of like a caste system where the Saudis are the most well-treated people. Then you have uh, other Arabs along, you know, uh, people from um, Abu Dhabi or you know, Dubai or, you know, the UAE or Oman or Bahrain or Kuwait, uh, kind of alongside with Western tourists or expats like I, like I was. And then underneath us, you'd have uh, uh, foreigners from other countries, such as the Chinese, uh, the Filipinos. And then below them, you'd have the Indians and the Bangladeshis. And yeah, it was very much a kind of like a racial caste system. Um, and that was kind of built on the prejudice of like all the Filipinos would be working and the they would be working behind the counter like service jobs as cleaners or uh, at the cash registries at the grocery stores. And while I was there, they had this big social movement called Saudiza- Saudization where they tried to get more Saudis to work these uh, what they would call simple jobs. And since you'd see a very displaced Saudi person behind the cash registry at the grocery store, even though they really didn't want to be there. And a lot of them didn't have to because you don't pay income tax there. And they're basically all loaded. Um, so you saw, and, and a lot of foreign companies had to employ a bunch of Saudis who also did not want to be there. So you had this weird disruption in in uh, the way companies kind of work down there because you obviously had to have 10% of your workforce uh, to be Saudi. And it was just a lot of times it was a workforce that just didn't really want to be there. Um, and that was... Uh, yeah, it was kind of interesting to see how that worked out.
0: And have you like had a chance to look around out of your diplomatic quarter?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, we spent uh, some time in Jeddah, which is this beautiful, uh, what's it called, oceanside city. Um, with a, it's, it's a lot more colorful and vibrant than Riyadh, I'd say. And I'd also spent some time on the East Coast, uh, which is a bit more industrial and uh, of course within Riyadh I spent a lot of time outside with uh, some of my Saudi friends Uh, but for the most part what we would yeah if we were to do something within Saudi we'd go to Jeddah because there you could go to private beaches and you could wear bathing shorts and enjoy the water Uh, otherwise we would for the most part go to Bahrain which was like a six hour drive eastward when over there you could you know you could drink you could go to you go swimming and uh, that was kind of the weekend trip that all the Saudis took too.
0: Well, you, still, you, had, you said you have some Saudi friends, so you still keep in touch?
1: Oh yeah, um, I get one of them is a doctor, so she's sending me uh, a lot of fun stuff in regards to uh, you know Corona. Just uh, we usually I usually get like a daily or weekly uh, X-ray image, uh, and actually one of the funniest ones was uh, she sent me an X-ray photo, and it was a man who had this device stuck inside of him. And they could not for like they could not for life even figure out what it was. And he kept in the guy who had this thing and he was like, Oh, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, and eventually when they got it out, what it was was an electric Quran reader. And what it would do would it would you would put this kind of pen thing over the Quran and it would vibrate and read it out loud. And I don't know, I guess this guy wanted to be closer to God, so he just kinda shoved it up his butt. Um <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was definitely one of the funniest ones uh, so I, I love yeah that's my daily update on how Saudi's going you know uh, never a dull moment down there alright and if we can move
2: from uh, the, uh, Saudi Arabia you also spend uh, sometimes uh, in other countries like in Singapore you were saying so what were you, you up to in Singapore
1: so uh, that was when I was a wee lad uh, I was well my, my dad was a banker he worked for the Swedish train bank and because of that we moved from when I was two years old we moved from Denmark to the U.S. first and after six years there we moved to Singapore and we were there for six years and that was when I was like six to twelve so not much of it uh, I can't remember much of it but I do remember it was I loved it it was beautiful it's basically a city just out in the middle of a rainforest a and uh, like what you would do is or what you would have you'd have uh there's you know, monkeys everywhere stealing your shit and uh, massive, massive snakes. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. I remember one time we used to live in a condominium and outside the condominium had like these uh, condominium guards. They were trying to like pick up this giant, I think it was a boa or a python that was around like two meters long or a not bigger with a tiny little black plastic bag and a stick. And... My mom was like, what, what are you guys doing? So she goes into the cabinet. She gets a proper thick threaded bag. She goes down and is like, no, no, you want to put the snake in this bag? So it's like, you know, my mom and three guards trying to wrestle this snake into a bag uh, so they can kind of carry it away because, you know, otherwise they'll eat someone's dog or a baby or, you know.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow, uh, mom. <laughs> no,
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: I would run away. No,
1: no, my mom would be like, no, 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 that's not how you handle a snake. He would say, <laughs> <laughs> and basically what a lot of people, when the, shortly after we moved to a house and everyone kept telling our parents uh, apparently that uh, you know what you want to do is you want to get a dog. It won't scare away the big, the big snakes, uh, but it will scare away the poisonous snakes like the cobras and stuff like that. Uh, so you'd get a dog and you let them out in the yard, kind of run around a bit, see if it could catch any of the cobras and stuff like that. So and after that word you would let the the do- uh, kids out because uh, then it was safe to roam around.
0: Wow. Uh, Okay. (laughs) And uh, besides, that, like Singapore is like a huge city. Was it a good place for a little kid as you were?
1: Oh yeah, it was amazing. Like they had this island called Sentosa Island, which was just amazing. They had like, which of course was full of cool beaches and like you could pet dolphins, and they had a massive aquarium and like I remember they had this really niche thing called like a night safari where you basically went to the zoo at night and there weren't really any fences. So you'd be driving in this little train. All of a sudden a giraffe just sat down on the road and you would be like, Oh, well, I mean you're getting extended tour now because we well, can't do anything. Um, so lots of cool things for, for kids like us. Like we, we would also go out like hunting for snakes and stuff like that, just cause we were young and dumb. And, um, you know, try to catch a tropical birds. You can never catch them because you know they're too smart for you. But mm.
0: uh, you can try.
1: Yeah, yeah. I well, we, we definitely tried. <laughs> we did not succeed. <laughs> uh, very. It was very. It was a very cool place for a young preteen such as me, because you know so many cool different kinds of animals and nature.
0: And to move to another country, you also spent one year in Morocco. Yes. Which, like, it's okay, Saudi, it's Singapore, it's Morocco. You're picking very. Unique destinations. Oh
1: yeah!
0: <laughs> what is it that like takes you to these places?
1: I I, mean, just, I don't know how I end up there. I mean, a lot of it's just luck and a lot of it's just your spontaneity, right? But I ended up in Morocco because, as part of my bachelors, we had to spend a year in an Arabic-speaking country, and uh, the good kids they got sent to Jordan, and the not-so-good kids like me got sent to uh, Morocco uh, to work on our Arabic. Unfortunately. Morocco speaks a very specific dialect of Arabic. So, you know, when we came home, no one could really understand our Arabic compared to the guys who already spoke good Arabic. So we kind of came back with a a good southern drawl kind of version of Arabic. Uh, But, no, we lived in a city called Fez, which is one of the oldest cities there. And it was a lot of fun. It was a great way to kind of improve on the language and get to know the culture really, really well.
0: And that was the whole year, right?
1: Yeah, that was the whole year. Uh,
0: that's quite a
1: long time oh yeah very but you know we saw I mean Morocco was a beautiful country and literally once you left the city you'd be up in these temperate mountains with a bunch of monkeys but if you kept going uh, west you would reach the beaches and then if you kept going south you had the Sahara Desert uh, so with these huge, uh, huge beautiful like uh, desert cities uh, so it was really it really had everything there from except for like maybe a rainforest <laughs> <laughs>
0: Did
1: it have snakes also? Uh, I don't think so. Maybe. <laughs> so
0: something was missing.
1: Yeah, I felt that way. Lots of uh, stray cats, though. We ended up taking in a few, you know, feeding them and stuff like that. Um, but that was, it was a really, it was very much like an old school kind of city. Like, you could hear the blacksmith in the morning trying to make copper pans and stuff like that. And because it was such an old city, the roads were built before cars were, so there wasn't enough space for cars. So basically, you would get and electricity was kind of a new concept, so you'd get uh, a donkey carrying water in and a donkey carrying gas in. And then you'd go down and you get your daily gas for the stove and for the water heater, you know, to take show- hot showers and everything. Uh, because, you know, they were the only things that could fit through the small, narrow streets of Fez, And that was uh, that was pretty cool. And, you know, sometimes you saw weird, weird shit along the way. Like, I once saw two guys get into a really heated debate what it was. I could not tell. But I'm assuming someone insulted the other guy's uh, herd of sheep or goats because all of a sudden one of the men took his own goat by the horns and tried to jam it at the other guy <laughs> <laughs> for some reason. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a, a rather violent
2: outburst. And what is it going to be next? Do you already have any plans?
1: For... Oh, man. Right now I'm just uh, – well, I'm about to finish up my master's. I, uh, I'm i turning it in my thesis in. Uh, in June and after that I will basically just be out job hunting in this you know what well, I mean what better time could you could you choose right uh <laughs> pandemic and you know unemployment through the roof uh, it's not gonna be any easier <laughs> so uh basically I'm just uh on the lookout for for a job that's relevant in my field or kind of any field basically now <laughs> um, but I think maybe it'll be london that's where my prospects are you know london, great. You said- yeah. Yeah. Uh well, I'm hopeful, but you know, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh I've been well, I've been keeping quarantine pretty well. I don't know about you guys, but it doesn't seem to be getting any better around uh, like in the countries around us. How about you guys? What got you into this uh podcasting environment? <laughs> Have, has anyone done a podcast about you two yet?
0: Um uh, not yet. Oh, uh, see, we should
1: make this an extra long feature, and then we'll we'll flip the tables. I'll interview you too.
0: Simon was actually trying to do that as well. Oh yeah, but we didn't let him go far with that. Ah oh, dang. I have a last question for you, Andreas. All right, hit me. Uh, because you've traveled all of these weird places. Mm-hmm. Let's call them weird. Yeah, just you know what?
2: Yeah. Not with any bad connotations. Yeah, not
0: with bad connotations. Exactly. Unusual um uh, but it's oh no i know i wanted to ask
1: <laughs> yeah so um,
0: it's okay i'll, I'll almost <laughs> the last question
1: <laughs> yeah okay you know just, just keep it just yeah. keep it
0: um okay I, because i got this question when you were talking about the uh, snakes and your tough mom and then i realized that all these cultures must have must have like strengthened your character as well what is it that you are scared of? Is it snakes, or is there anything that's like bothering you?
1: Oh, sharks! One hundred percent sharks. Sharks. Yeah.
0: And have you met any on these journeys?
1: Uh, a small one once when I was diving in Hawaii, but I'm thinking more of you know those big boys like bull sharks and great whites and tiger sharks. Like I'm just saying, it's an apex predator that has not changed for millions of years. It is at its prime right now, and. Like, you just don't want to mess with that. <laughs> and you don't see it coming, especially if you're treading water above the ocean.
0: And how did this fear, like, begin? Like, have you seen the... the jaws? Yeah, the Jaws, uh, or...
1: No, I think it was... Uh, did you guys ever see, what was it called, deep water or open water, where, like, two divers get abandoned by their uh, diving structure in the middle of an ocean, and then eventually they just kind of get nabbed by sharks?
0: Okay, I haven't seen that,
1: though. No, Me neither. No? It's <laughs> fucking horrible. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to swear here, I'm sorry you can just bleep that out in in the post. Um, but I mean, the same thing kind of happened to my parents once when we were, uh, I think we were on vacation somewhere in Thailand, maybe. And the, uh, apparently the boat that they were on had broken down. And so basically, uh, they had to leave my, my parents and the diving instructor in the water while they, uh, for some reason, they could not have them back on, but they had to leave them in the water while they kind of tugged or like paddled the boat back to shore. And then they waited and, until another boat came over. And then when this boat came, it was apparently too small for all of them to be in there. So instead of the diving instructor being a gentleman, be like, oh, no, my mom could go up there. He was like, all right, we'll just leave you guys here. We're going to go get another boat and then we'll be right back. So <laughs> my parents were just treading water for like I don't know a couple of hours in the fucking ocean. In, in in where sharks were, uh, while they're kind of waiting for a rescue.
0: <laughs> but they made it.
1: They made it. They are still. They still have all their limbs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, great. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, I'm, and the last question then will come from me then, I guess. Yeah. Yes. After you traveled so many places and seeing, uh, yeah, the other cultures do you have any. Uh, Life hack, and your what helps you
1: keep up with life? I would say, I mean, basically, <laughs> I mean, a lot of you can get a, you can get a lot of you get really really frustrated a lot of times when you're out of your comfort zone and you see a lot of weird and wacky shit that you're not used to. And basically, I, I jokingly say just serenity now. But I'm just kind of I what I usually do is I just kind of lean back and I just see what where the situation takes me because. I mean, so much of it is out of my hands, especially when you're abroad, right? Like, you can't really do much about what happens. So, I mean, as long as you're not in a situation where you're about to be kidnapped or shot or something like that, then, I don't know, just got to go with the flow uh, and uh, see where it takes you because you can end up in some pretty pretty wacky, you know, scenarios.
0: All right. So, that will be all from us, Andreas. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us on our podcast.
1: Yeah, it was a pleasure. Yeah, thank yeah. you for having me
0: have a nice day. You too. Today's episode is over, but don't worry, there is a new one coming next Wednesday. And if you would like to continue in listening straight away, feel free to check Simon's episode for more travel stories or try Mavi's talk to compare how different an experience in Morocco can be. Have a nice week.